Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is uh, Tom Curran, and we're going to begin with a scripture reading. In fact, today I have several scriptures. I have four scriptures that I'm going to be using as the basis of my program today. And the first one of those passages from John chapter 15. I'm going to use that as the scripture to launch us into our program. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is from the Gospel of John 15, beginning at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Live on in my love. You will live in my love if you keep my Father's commandments, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and live in his love. All this I tell you that my joy may be yours and your joy may be complete. This is my commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. There's no greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer speak of you as slaves, for a slave does not know what his master is about. Instead, I've called you friends, since I have made known to you all that I heard from the Father. It was not you who chose me, it was I who chose you to go forth and bear fruit. Your fruit must endure, so that all you ask the Father in my name he will give you. The command I give you is this, that you love one another. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and I thank you, Lord, that you have called us and chosen us and planted us in this moment of history, and you've asked us, Lord, no, you've you've willed us to bear fruit. Lord, give us the grace today to reflect well on the fruit that is being born in our lives in those places where, Lord, we are not bearing fruit. Lord, give us insight, wisdom, and courage to sense what it is we ought to do, how it is we ought to change, and give us the grace, the courage to convert. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, today, and this is an important program. It's important because of what some, I, I'm having some folks talk to me, kind of reach out to me, and they're like, okay, Tom, so what is your take? What is, give us your thoughts. Do you have any insight on why it is the church has such dwindling numbers? You know, we hear you talk about this demographic Titanic, the way that churches are emptying out. Well, let's see if we can go deeper and say, give us some further insights. Give us some thoughts about why it's happening, and what we can do about it. And and I'm going to do this a, a bit differently than I normally talk about this theme. I'm going to begin with the, from the standpoint of God's call. And that's why I'm going to be using scripture and the church's teaching around this reality that the church, and here's Jesus in John 15 talking to his 12 apostles, that he is sending forth to continue his mission on earth, the body of Christ, the mystical body of Christ, the bride of Christ, that will be the continuation of Christ on earth to bring about this work of redemption, the salvation of souls on earth. And and he sends them forth with this promise, this promise that he'll be with them, this this commitment that says, look, do you know what I will for you? Joy. I want joy, not just any old joy, but heavenly joy, divine joy. And, and that joy that, that you can know in life that comes from the things of heaven, the reality of heaven, that comes from the fruit of union with God is meant to be complete. It's meant to be full. It's, it's meant to be something that is like the ground that we walk on, right? That the Lord loves us, and and he wants us to to know his love, to be transformed by his love, and to let that love then flow through us into the world. And he has chosen us from this for this. It's not just that, oh, we raise our hand and said, pick me. No, it, it was not you who chose me. It was I who chose you to go forth and bear fruit. So that's what the Lord wills. That's his plan for each and every one of his chosen ones. Now, today we're going to focus on his chosen ones who are the spiritual fathers, the priests and bishops of the church. And we're going to look to them and see if we can gain some insight into the question of B, 
bearing fruit. Because we know this. We know at the foundation, bearing fruit is what the Lord wills. It's what he intends. So when we look around, if we are not seeing fruit, where fruit is expected, then there's something amiss. Because we know that that's not God's plan. The Lord doesn't plan for his church to be emptying out. He doesn't intend for his church to be diminishing uh, in significant numbers. So if there's a bleeding out in the numbers of the church, there's a way in which there's something that is missing. There's something that is falling short. So I mentioned today during this program that I'm going to be drawing upon the scriptures, some scriptures and some theology of the church, as well as the concept of being a father, uh, because I'm going to use some analogies here that they're spiritual fathers, and, and so I can learn and lean on what it means for me to be a husband and a father, as well as my own work helping CEOs and business owners and senior executives who exercise leadership in some large organizations. And, and the help that I've given to them as a strategy consultant, executive coach, uh, doing off-sites and all kinds of other work with them to help them gain insight around what's happening in their organization and then discerning what actions to take to remove obstacles and be more productive, effective, profitable, to get better results. And, and I know that those things are not the same as bearing fruit. There's a difference between fruit and results, right? Uh, you know, uh, uh, what did St. Mother Teresa say, right? The Lord doesn't uh, demand, um, demand that you uh, generate results, but rather that you are faithful, right? He, he demands fidelity, not uh, results. Um, but I, do, I will say this, that the Lord, he intends for there to be a fruit, right? John 15, earlier, he talks about if you remain in him, you will bear fruit, right? If the branch stays in the vine, you're going to bear fruit. And, he, and if it's not bearing fruit, it's, what's going to happen? It's going to need to be pruned or it'll be cut off and thrown into the fire, right? Jesus curses the fig tree because it doesn't bear fruit. Isaiah chapter 5 talks about the, the vine dresser who takes all of this effort to fence off and, and till the soil and and and. Uh, feed the soil and, and sow the seeds so that the grapes uh, the grapevines will grow and then when it when it grows bitter grapes he is uh, he's sad he's disappointed how did this happen why did this happen I've done everything to have you bear fruit so we're gonna take a look at this from from all of those perspectives so when I go in to help uh, corporations, executives, business owners, CEOs, uh, etc. The first thing we'll do is we'll try to get insight into the current situation, like what is going on right now. And we'll do that through an assessment, right? An assessment, the way that I do it, I have a tool of questions and I go around and I interview people to try to get unfiltered, honest feedback regarding what's actually happening. And then collecting all of that, synthesizing it, collating it, uh, weighing it, then presenting it in a format that will hopefully yield a new degree of insight upon which, okay, if this is our current situation, then we can measure it against what ought to be happening. Like, okay, we're seeing here the things that we're doing well and the things that we're falling short on. Well, now we have a better sense of what ought we to do to be able to um, reach our vision, our goal, the, the, the better place that the, the company wants to be in. And you could do the same thing. You could do the same thing, maybe not in exactly the same tools, but you can do the same thing with regards to the church. Like, okay, let's, let's get an assessment of where we're at. Let's get, let's get a picture of our current reality. And then we can get a picture of where we ought to be. Well, we know we ought to be bearing fruit. We know that the gospel is life. We know that the gospel is the only truth that will ever set anybody free. We know that the truth of God, as the church bears it forth, is the truth about humanity, about it, the, the source of humanity, the goal of, of, of all in every human life, and uh, the meaning and purpose that is to be found in this life is found in the, in the church, in the church's teaching, in the church's life. And so we have 
we've been entrusted with a uh, the fullness of truth and the fullness of means of sanctification, if you want to use the language of the church's teaching. And therefore, the, we believe that God calls every human being to come to join into the fullness of life that he intends for us, the new life, the recreated life that is ours in its fullness by being members of his body, the church. So every single human being has a call to baptism, a call to membership in the church. Now, whether or not every human being, concretely in the circumstances of the actual lived life that we have, have the uh, uh, real opportunity to be able to get there, that's a different question. But let's let's not allow ourselves to get too uh, flung far off into abstract theoretical questions, and let's talk about the grounding of the reality of the church here, now, and today. Is the teaching of the church as the presentation and and its uh, and the way in which it 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 provides the content for the presentation of the gospel today is that truth being enfleshed in our world presented and witnessed to in our world in a way that is magnetically drawing people into the practice of the faith well let's just talk about those that are practicing the catholic faith are they finding the reception of that gospel in its fullness, in the fullness of the means of sanctification, something that's causing them to flower and grow and flourish as human beings in this moment, such that, that they're radiant witnesses going out into society and drawing more people into the church? And the answer is no. You take an honest assessment, and what do you see? People are bleeding out from the church. Their, 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 their attachment to the Catholic Church and to the Catholic faith is lessening and disappearing. It's diminishing. The, the, incre- the, the number of Catholics who are, 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 not, are now identified as nuns or even done with regard to the faith, nuns, N-O-N-E-S, they're, they're no longer affiliated with the church, those that are formerly Catholic, right? The statistics are shocking and sad and tragic. But the question becomes, what's the source of this? Why is this the case? It's not that God was sleeping. It's not that Jesus wasn't paying attention. It wasn't that somehow the power of the gospel got unplugged so that it's no longer bearing fruit when it comes alive in people's lives. Well, then, well, wait a minute. What is going on? Okay, today we're not going to look at the forces that are coming against the church uh, so much in terms of uh, the forces of the world, the flesh, and the devil, and society, and its, and its prominent, dominant uh, forces that are, are, are attacking and attempting to undermine and overthrow the place of the church in the world today. Today we're going to take a look inside. Today I'm going to be that consultant. I'm going to take that consultant hat, put it on, and I'm going to take the theologian's hat and keep it on, and I'm going to say, let's take a look at the nature of the church and her leadership, priests and bishops, as spiritual fathers, and I'm going to apply to them the lens, the, the microscope, the magnifying glass, the, uh, the spotlight, <laughs> pick your, pick your uh, light magnifying and focusing uh, Im- instrument that you want, and, and say, let's take a look. Now, I do this out of tremendous, passionate, loving concern for the faithful and for the gospel and to be playing the part whatever is mine to play in this moment of history i and and to be like to be clear this is something that i do for my own life pretty much on a daily basis i let the ideal the ideal of who i'm called to be as a son of god child of god right who is a man a son of god as a husband and as a father as the church teaches it, to be a, uh, a convicting and consoling light on my own life. I was convicted this morning. I was reading the Office of Readings, and it was a beautiful second reading uh, from the, uh, the Gaudium et Spes, the, the church's pastoral constitution on the church in the modern world, and it raised up a powerful, beautiful ideal of the married vocation. And I'm like, yes, I need to continually let the shining bright light of the gospel and of the teaching of the church to 
uh, shine its light on my life, to, to affirm the places where I'm living it, and to convict me of the places where I'm falling short, and to call me to conversion. All right, more on this in a minute. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to the program. All right, I'm kind of fired up today. So I am talking about sort of my own spiritual practice of coming before the Lord and begging Him to reveal to me those places in my life where I need to repent, where I need to get right with Him. At Mass, uh, I'm recording this in the evening on Monday. At Mass in the morning, I was just saying to the Lord, Lord, please cleanse me. Please uh, take, take me deeper. Lord, please help me to be a father to my children. Uh, help me be a, a good husband to my wife. And, and some of that came from reading the Office of Readings where I allowed the Word of God to strike my life. I allowed the teaching of the church and the practice of the church to strike my life and to say, Tom, you need to repent. You need to renounce. You need to reject. You need to repent. You need to uh, conform your life more fully to the ideal of Jesus Christ and to the ideal of being a child of God, a son of God, completely surrendered and abandoned to him and his purposes for my life, to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, to live today in a way that was worthy of the call that I have received. And when I think about being a husband and a father, I need an ideal in front of me. What does that look like? What does that look like? What does that mean? And this is where you've heard me say on the radio a number of times how I so had wished that I had had explained to me, and this is a guy who, again, I've had all this background in theology and spirituality and, and, and all of this stuff, something as simple and clean and clear as, as a husband and a father, I'm called to lead and provide and protect my family. As a husband and a father, I'm called to lead, provide, and protect my family, spiritually and in other dimensions, spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally, uh, at, at a human level. Lead, provide, and protect. Where's that come from? That comes from baptism. In baptism, we, laity, are anointed in our baptism. And that anointing with the oil of chrism is a conforming, a consecration, a giving ourselves over to, a, a being uh, configured to Jesus Christ, who was anointed priest, prophet, and king. Priest, prophet, and king. You've heard that. I know you've heard that language before. But the meaning of that language, what does it mean that you're called to be priest, prophet, and king? Well, as king, I am to lead. As priest, I am to provide. And as prophet, I'm called to protect. The prophet protects by proclaiming the truth. The priest provides by being a conduit, a go-between between God and the people and being a, a, a funnel, a source of bringing the, the burning needs and the desperate cries of, of the people to God and winning from God, crying out to the Lord, uh, being a vessel of communicating from God to the people the good things that God has for us. And to lead by being a servant leader, by washing feet, by being willing to die, by being willing to, to pour oneself out, to give oneself over, to, to go first, to, to show the way, right? So priest, prophet, and king, and uh, prophet speak the truth, right? So I've said that. And so what do I do? I take a look, an honest, rigorous look at my life, and I say, Lord, 
How am I leading today? How am I leading my sons? How am I leading my daughters? How am I leading my life, my wife in, in, our, in our home, in our marriage? Because if I want to bear fruit, if I want to bear fruit, if I want to bear fruit, there's that language that God wants me to bear, then I have to be willing to take the lead as in accord with the kingship of the call. I need to be spiritually uh, not only giving an example, but actually performing spiritually so that graces and, and, and the treasury of blessings that God has in store for my family are poured forth on my family. And then to protect my family, to make sure that they are going to be exposed to the truth. Okay, that's a human father. Uh, that's a Catholic Christian father. That's a godly father. And so I'm regularly measuring myself and I'm saying, okay, am I going to bear fruit here? Is this bearing fruit in my family's life? Where are we falling short? All right, let's take that same concept and let's apply it to parish life and diocesan life. What we see statistically, just at pure statistics, is that so many Catholics are leaving the church, falling away from the faith. And again, this isn't a time to look around at the world around us so much, but to take a look internally and say, if I was going to be a consultant to a pastor, a priest, or a bishop, and I have been, I've been a coach to bishops and priests, to dioceses, to uh, parish leadership teams, diocesan leadership teams, to parishes, to priests, and I've said to them, you have to measure, you have to. My suggestion is (laughs) that... You take a look at your ideal. What's the call that's yours? And then ask yourself, in what ways are we fulfilling that call? In what ways are we falling short? Because if we're fulfilling the call, then, and, and, and we're striving to achieve that ideal, then it's going to bear fruit. It's going to bear fruit. And how do we translate priest, prophet, and king? How do we translate lead, provide, and protect into the, to the lives of Spiritual fathers, priests, and bishops? Well, it's actually in the teaching of the church. Bishops and priests are called to govern, teach, and sanctify. Govern, teach, and sanctify. That's their call. Oh, do you hear it? To govern, king. To sanctify, priest. To teach, prophet. That's the call. And if we're finding that Catholics are less inclined to live their faith, to be fervent about their faith, to be courageous in living their faith, I bet we can trace it back to some gaps that exist in the way in which priests and bishops are living their call to govern, to teach, and to sanctify. And conversely, if we pay attention and we say, where's their fruit? Where is their Fruit, fruit in the form of an assembly, a parish community that is vibrant, that is growing, that have signs of life, that have signs of flourishing, that have signs in the community themselves of commitment, intentionality, even courage and generosity, and living the faith, proclaiming the faith, of accessing the, the church as a source of what? The fullness of God's truth, and the fullness of the means of sanctification. Again, that's the church's teaching. Well, do we see parishes where that's happening? There are a few. There are a few. And if you take a close enough look, I think what you'll discover is those few parishes that are growing in number, not shrinking, that are growing in, in vibrancy, in the, in the fruitfulness of the activities that are there. You see it in the form of family life, families that are growing, families that are drawn. The, you see it in efforts around governing, sanctifying, and teaching. And so, uh, just as a for instance, I, I know of a few parishes where numbers are growing by leaps and bounds. And if you look at those parishes... You see pastors who are doing what? Well, they're preaching the fullness of the teachings of the church. They're not holding back. They're speaking the truth in love, but they're speaking the truth. And that's prophetic. It's protection. Hard to hear. It's countercultural. It's a sign of contradiction. It's not going with the flow. 
It's standing up, speaking out, and pushing back. But when you hear the teaching of the church proclaimed in its fullness, not holding back, but done, again, with charity, that's attractive. That's attractive. That's fulfilling the prophetic call. And so I, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to take a look at some of the ways. So if I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of be a free consultant here <laughs> to, to bishops and priests as they're trying to evaluate what's the current reality of the church today regarding why the numbers of the faithful are dwindling, why we are having a diminishment of vocations, w- what are some of the causes of this internally that we can deal with? It would be a matter of saying, are you conforming yourself and striving to live according to the ideal of a spiritual father who governs, teaches, and sanctifies, who is functioning in the anointing of Christ the priest through your sacrament of holy orders to be priest, prophet, and king, to lead, provide, and protect? So let's explore the three of those, and let's see if some of the gaps that are there might be able to be addressed. And let's see if we can identify that the places where people are striving, priests are striving, and bishops are striving to close those gaps, that that could be a tremendous source of renewal today. So if the numbers are shrinking and priests are getting older and, 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 and the resources are dwindling, maybe it's time to a vigorous call to conversion and renewal. Conversion and renewal, repentance and re, uh, reconfiguring one's own life to Christ. I know in my life, that's where I start. I start with the, on my knees, crying out to God, please forgive me. Lord, please give me the courage to do better. Lord, please, but your spirit come alive in me to live more faithfully and fully the call that is mine as a father, to lead and provide and protect my family. Okay, so I started in with protect. And this is where we think about the concept of protection in relationship to um, the, the teaching of the church, right? That Do we really believe that the teaching of the church and the gospel of Jesus Christ is that important? Well, I mentioned scriptures, because I don't want you to just say, Tom, this is just you putting an emphasis on the teaching of the church or the, the gospel message being proclaimed in its fullness. No, let's, let's stick to the gospel. Let's see what Jesus says precisely to his apostles. Okay, so in Mark chapter 9, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 8, beginning at verse 34. Okay, so he says to his apostles and disciples in front of the crowd. He says, if someone wishes to come after me, he must deny his very self, take up his cross and follow in my steps. So first of all, what do you expect? If you're called to be a priest and a bishop, what should you expect? You should expect that at the essence of this call is an act of self-denial and taking up a cross. That's the call. Whoever would preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels, okay, there's something here, we'll we'll preserve it. That acts of trying to preserve our own lives versus acts of saying, I'm going to preserve the gospel even at the cost of my own life. I'm willing to put my own life, my own reputation, my own well-being at risk for the sake of the word of God. For the sake of Jesus Christ, I will not betray the gospel. I will not sell the gospel short. I will not settle for less when it comes to the fullness of the church's teaching and of the gospel of Jesus Christ, even if it means that I suffer. What does it profit a man, Jesus says, who gains the whole world position, reputation, influence, fame, comfort, stuff? What does it profit a man who gains the whole world and destroys himself in the process. So there's something at stake for anyone who's called to be a teacher and preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That what's at stake, whether we like it or not, is our very lives. 
our well-being is at stake if we've been entrusted with that task and we fail. Jesus says, what can a man offer in exchange for his life? And then listen to this last one. If anyone in this faithless and corrupt age, by the way, do you feel like we live in a faithless and corrupt age? Yeah, hello. If anyone in this faithless and corrupt age is ashamed of me and my doctrine, and my doctrine, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes with the holy angels in his Father's glory. If we're ashamed of Jesus or of his gospel, his doctrine. So living today, bishops and priests know this, the doctrine of Jesus Christ is reflected in the teaching of the Catholic Church. And so if we are not receiving the protection of the doctrine of Jesus Christ and of his church's teaching, there is wreckage, there is damage, there's a draining of life and a lack of fruitfulness. Okay, is there any particular teaching of the church that maybe has been hidden, has been pushed off to the side, has been avoided, because it's uncomfortable. It's not politically correct. It's not in the flow of the times. But wait a minute. You should know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. You shall know the truth. But if we don't know the truth, then we're not set free. That means we're, in da- we're being damaged. But wait a minute. The one who's charged with the task of being priest, prophet, king, prophet, prophet, to speak the word that people most need to hear. That's the prophetic call. To speak the word that people most need to hear is the call of the prophet. That's the call of the priest in our parish, the call of the bishop in our diocese. So if we're not seeing fruit in our parishes, if we're seeing people fall away from the church, maybe they're falling away from participation in parish life and the practice of their Catholic faith because they're falling away from a doctrine that's presented that's not the fullness of the church's teaching. And it's not protection for their lives. And it's not a truth that's setting them free. Well, what would, those, what would be an example of those doctrines? Well, think about the church's teaching on married love. Married love is to be open to life. That means we are against artificial contraception. When was the last time you ever heard a homily against the use of contraception in married life? When was the last time that you ever heard of that? What about talking about the, 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 the evil of divorce? The evil of divorce and, and, and the call that we have in marriage to be together for life. What about fighting against the, the, the battle of, well, hey, look, we just come up against abortion, right? And thanks be to God for the Dobb decision overturning Roe versus Wade. But how often have you heard teaching from the pulpit that said, we must stand for the gospel of life and we must stand against abortion. We must battle for the gift of life and protect the slaughter of unborn human beings in the wombs of their mothers. Like, these are prophetic truths. And then front and center today, What about the simple truth? God made them male and female. God made us male and female. And so whether it's gay marriage, whether it's transgender ideology, whether it's other forms of gender confusion uh, that has been poured out upon this moment, where are the courageous prophetic priests who serve up to the people the truth that will protect their children? that'll protect their teens, that'll protect their young adults, that will, we need prophets. Maybe that's one of the reasons why some Catholics, too many Catholics, have fallen away from the practice of their faith. They have not had presented to them the fullness of the church's teaching on matters of life and death, on matters of marriage and family. And there is so, so much wreckage. I, I mean, I could, I'll tell you one little story and then just keep pressing forward. I, the number of times that Carrie or I have had a woman 
or a man about our age. So now I'm 58, she's 52. In, in, the, in, the, in the 30 years we've done ministry, and as our family grew, and we've been blessed with these nine children, how many times we've bumped into families that have two kids, one kid, three kids, and what they say is they look and they, they just say in their own way, I would have had more. I wanted more. But the guidance I received from my priest was that contraception was fine and it was a it was a, a path to go that if we thought it was the right path, then it was fine to do. And and you know, I who knows what, what they actually were told, but that's what they were that's what they reported. And honestly, that's not that hard to believe. And so you see the longing. It's like, I would have been open to life if only it was presented to me. If only I had, here it is, heard the church's teaching. I would have been protected from damaging, damaging errors in my own life and in my family's life. All right, we're up against a break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about not just the prophetic call that parishes and priests and bishops have to speak the truth, to stand up, speak out, and push back, but the call to lead as well. And then I'm going to, uh, the, the governing call. And then the call to, to be the sanctifier, that priestly call. I'm going to talk about all three today as maybe sources of insight into why it is the number of the faithful are dwindling and dwindling, and we face these really sad, sad realities of dwindling um, vocations, dwindling parishes, dwindling resources, and then end up needing to having to plan to close, you know, many parishes. What a great sadness. So let's, let's get at the root cause. Let's understand the current reality. Let's figure out solutions, even as we're in the middle of all this, to say, maybe we need to take a fresh look in the mirror and say, how are we living our priesthood? How are we shepherding as bishops so that we're going to conform our ideal to Christ, priest, prophet, and king? Back in a minute with Sound Insight. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. Yeah, I'm kind of fired up today. Uh, I'm fired up because I love... Well, I love you guys. I love our Catholic faith. We've been given such a gift. I know that I fall short so often every day, and I just cry out to God, please have mercy on my life. Please, Lord, conform me to yourself. And I just, I, that spirit, I, I thank God for it. And, and I just say, God, please keep me humble. Lord, keep me humble. Keep me humble, Lord. Because uh, I can quickly go to pride and arrogance. So today on the program, what I'm doing, I'm sharing a bit about my own little reflections on the current state of what's happening in the church today, and then saying, well, how do we get to the root cause? And let's take a look at where there's fruit, because the Lord promises fruit. And so the first gospel that we looked at was from Mark chapter 8, where Jesus is like, don't be ashamed of the teaching of the church. Speak it. Speak it prophetically. You will be providing protection over the faithful's lives. And they will, they will welcome, even when it convicts, they will welcome the truth of the gospel because it's the only truth that will set people free. This then leads to the second of the three. Remember I talked about priest, prophet, and king. Lead, provide, protect, right? So protection is the, the prophetic. The prophetic is the protection. Prophet is not predicting the future. It's speaking the truth that most needs to be heard in the present. Okay, so what about leading? What about that kingly service? So this is where this could take a whole bunch of shows, but I'm going to keep it really simple. What does a leader do? A leader goes first. What does a leader do? A leader goes first. And this is one of those things that Jesus, right? He went first, right, in the gospel, what did he do? And he remember, and he washed the feet. He said, "I'm setting for you an example, just as I washed your feet. I, who am Lord, I took the the place of the lowest servant, the lowest slave in the home. I poured my life out for you on the cross. 
I set for you an example. And it's that example that he sets that we, in fact, are called to do. He says this, he says, uh, in Second Corinthians, it's full of amazing, like priestly insights to say, conform your lives, O priests, to the to the model of Saint Paul who pursued Christ. Right? He says we were crushed beyond our strength, even to the point of despairing of life. We were left to feel like men condemned to death, so we might trust not in ourselves but in God who raises the dead. He rescued us from that danger to death and will continue to do so. We have put our hope in him who will never cease to deliver us, but you must help us with your prayers. So you must help uh, uh, and so that on our behalf God may be thanked for the gift granted us through the prayers of so many. And he talks about being earthen vessels right? We don't repudiate shameful, underhanded practices. We don't resort to trickery or falsify the word of God. We proclaim the truth openly and commend ourselves to every man's conscience before God. That's so powerful, right? Again, that's the prophetic call. He's leading the way. But if you look at what was his life like? St. Paul, look at 2 Corinthians 11. Are they ministers of Christ? He said, I am more with my many more labors and imprisonments with far worse beatings and frequent brushes brushes with death. Five times at the hands of Jews, I received 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. I was stoned once, shipwrecked three times, passed a day and a night on the sea, traveled continually, endangered by floods, robbers, my own people, the Gentiles, imperiled in the evil, in the city, in the desert, at sea, by false brothers, enduring labor, hardships, many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst and frequent fastings in cold and nakedness leaving other sufferings unmentioned there's the daily tension pressing on me my anxiety for all the churches who is weak that i am not affected by it who is scandalized that i am not aflame with indignation wow that is a model for priestly life that is a model for the life of a bishop but if that were the model and priests and bishops were to take an honest look and say, how does my life conform? How does my life get exposed by reading that passage? To allow that to then begin to shape how it is they live, that just might lead to tremendous cleansing, stretching, calls to courage and generosity that would give them the grace to go first, to, again, to stand up, speak out, and push back, right? If the laity have a hard time standing up, speaking out, and pushing back in work, at schools, uh, in their neighborhoods, maybe it's because they're not feeling emboldened, empowered by their own priests and bishops to stand up, speak out, and push back against, against ideas that are demonic, against lies, lies about God, about the human being, lies about men and women, lies about sexuality, lies about so many things. But the great, great, great majority of lay people don't have the training, don't have the formation, didn't have the opportunity to be set apart from ordinary life to spend four, five, six, eight, ten years in formation, in prayer, in learning to be willing to live this kind of life. Not being afraid to speak out, to stand up, and to push back. And you know what? When we when we find priests like that and bishops like that, you know what that is? It's a magnet. It's a magnet. And so if we're looking for a solution to getting more people back to church, well, it would be probably connected to, linked to, associated with fired up priests who spoke the church's teaching prophetically and were willing to Lead by example. I remember I heard a talk in the seminary. Uh, it was on uh, celibacy is not a call to comfortable bachelordom. <laughs> that was the talk. But rather a call to evangelical simplicity. And that 
I still remember the talk was given by Father George Ashenbrenner, a Jesuit priest who was a spiritual director at the North American College, and he wrote a book on the spirituality of the diocesan priesthood, had a great impact. Uh, and he, he was holy. He had an impact on my life. Well, I remember his talk, that celibacy isn't not getting married. Celibacy is about be, being completely given over to the Lord. It's belonging completely to the Lord. And this, this call was, now I'm available so that I can live a poured out life. I can live a life that's poured out at the service of others. And, and that's radiant. It's not comfortable. This is not comfortable. Uh, labors and imprisonments, beatings, brushes with death, uh, beaten with lashes uh, five times, 39 lashes five times, three times beaten with rods, stoned, shipwrecked, uh, enduring labor, hardships, sleepless nights, hunger, thirst, fastings, cold and nakedness. And, and the sadness is that it's not like, oh gosh, you know, I, I, I only received um, uh, 39 lashes two times. He had it five times. And I was only beaten with rods once. And um, I'm only continually endangered by, you know, just not, not often by floods, but yes, by robbers and yeah, <laughs> like none of that applies. Well, almost, almost none of it applies to the majority of priests where it's just frankly a, a great temptation to live comfortable bachelordom. It's a temptation, you know, talk to them. Don't talk to me, you talk to them. And, and here's the thing. A radiant life that's lived sacrificially is going to be magnetic. And people will respond. I've worked for priests like this. This Father Mark Montmany, the first pastor I worked for at St. Marie's in Manchester, New Hampshire. And the parish just was booming. It was booming. And, and the, you know, one of the reasons why? It was the way that he led. He was courageous in his preaching of the gospel, preaching of Jesus Christ, but he poured himself out. He was up first. He stayed to the end. He did the, the, the least jobs. He did the, 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 the ugliest jobs. He extended himself where you just, I was just so inspired to say, I got to up my game, which kind of leads me to the, to the last one, which is sanctify. So I'm kind of running out of time, but just pay attention. Pay attention to this whole reality of, do we see that every single parish is diminishing in numbers in the same speed, in the same degree, in the same way, and not bearing fruit? No, 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 we don't. We see that there are some parishes that are growing, that are drawing in families, that are drawing in more of the faithful, and that they are flourishing in faith. When we come back, we're going to dig more into that as we take a look at the third of these calls, which I think, again, would be a tremendous key for priests to be reflecting and bishops to be reflecting on if we're going to grow and revive our, our dioceses and our parishes, it begins with the growth and holiness, the fervor of her priests and bishops to say we must conform our lives to Christ more deeply. We must go first. We must lead the way. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Ugh, welcome back. I say ugh because we only have five minutes for this last section. So to end the program, what am I doing? I'm reflecting on the call that priests and bishops have to govern, teach, and sanctify. It's what the church teaches. And when we let the church's teaching shine a light on our lives, it shows the gap that exists. Not only the things we're doing well, but the gap that exists, that if we are able to close that gap, if we're more fully conformed to the ideal of Christ in the teaching of the church as it applies to our lives, the more fruitful we will be. And if we're not bearing fruit, maybe it's because we're not conformed enough to Christ. So that's what I'm reflecting on today. I've reflected on the call that we have to be prophetic by speaking the fullness of the church's teaching. I've talked about the call that we have as leaders to govern by pouring ourselves out and going first, seeking to serve. Now, what about the priestly call? That's the call to be that conduit, to be holy, to be holy. Now, we hear that all the time. I'm going to give you a couple of concrete things. The first is to be desperate, praiseworthy desperation. You've heard this on my program. I don't know if you've heard it anywhere else. It's in our tradition, but somehow it's a big, like, missing spot in the way that the church focuses on her life today. 
It's, it's crazy. It's such a crazy blind spot if you just look at the Office of Readings and the Psalms that we pray. They're full of Psalms of holy desperation. People who say, God, I am desperate for you. God, I'm desperate in, fa- in the face of the enemies that are overwhelming me. I have nothing but you. I come to you. I look to you. Help me, O oh God. I think priests, if we could pray for a gift for priests and bishops, is that they would gain holy desperation, praiseworthy desperation, that they would literally be falling on their faces, crying out to God for mercy and for favor. Now, you might not say, not for themselves, maybe they're, they're healthy and they're well and, and everything's good in their own lives, but no question, there are people in their parishes and in their dioceses who are absolutely desperate, desperate over kids that have run away, kids that are making horrible decisions relationally, that are uh, committing self-harm, that are have suicidal ideation, that are trapped in addictions, parents, adults that are trapped in addiction. How, how much does it traumatize? How much does it bother priests that they have men in their parishes that are addicted to pornography? How much fasting are they doing? How much fasting priests are you doing for your parishioners who are trapped in addiction? Do you make all-night vigils? Do you fast? Do you give up desserts? Do you give up alcohol for the rest of your life? Just give that good thing up for the sake of those who are stuck and don't know how to get out of a situation. That's fervent holiness. Uh, uh, in In the teaching of the church, catechism of the Catholic Church, one of the things that a priest does read it in the Catechism, on the Sacrament of Penance and Reconciliation, is that they're called to do penance for their parishioners. If you know that your parishioners are struggling with the sin, if you hear their confessions, by the way, that's a whole other thing, then you'll become aware of the sins of your parish. What penance are you doing for your people? i got to tell you, when you have reverent liturgy celebrated by a priest pursuing the Lord in holiness, preaching the fullness of the church's teaching, and leading the way and pouring himself out. Do you know what you have? you got a parish that's growing by leaps and bounds. You see it. You see it everywhere. Identify the parish in your diocese or the parishes that have a very reverent liturgy focused on the holy sacrifice of the Mass, a sacred action calling for reverence. You have a priest giving homilies that teach the fullness of the church's teaching and is standing up, speaking out, and pushing back against the evils of our time and is leading the way in hidden ways, fasting and doing penance for his people, crying out to the Lord in desperation to renew his parish and and accompanying and showing the way that says, I'm not living comfortable bachelordom. I'm going to pour my life out so that you get rescued. You know what you're going to have? You're going to have a very vibrant church, and it's going to be full. And you know what you need to do to that parish? You keep it open. <laughs> that's, that, and you know what that's also a path to? More vocations. Because that kind of priesthood, that kind of living of the, of the church's life, priest, prophet, and king, that's magnetic. That is radiant. That is glorious. That's going to bear fruit in abundance. And that's what Christ wills. God bless you, Dave. Join me tomorrow for more Simon Sight.